Well, good morning, everybody. Just to uh, let you know, by way of practical notice, that there's been a technological problem beyond the walls of St. Paul's this morning, and uh, Faith Online, which is the platform that streams our services, has gone down. Uh, so sadly, that means that people won't be able to access it live this morning. But I'm telling you that now, just so that if you are chatting with someone later and they say, I couldn't find it, it wouldn't work, you can tell them that there is a recording, I think, uh, being made of the whole service, so they will be able to get access to it later via the usual YouTube route. Technology, eh? Well, I wonder, how do you respond or how do you react when you disagree with God? Every so often we're confronted, aren't we, with something in Scripture that's so contrary to our culture, we're tempted to say, well, that applied then, but it surely wouldn't apply to us today. And it's hard, I think, to imagine a more countercultural bombshell than today's opening line in chapter 3 of 1 Peter. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Isn't that the sort of patriarchal, misogynistic nonsense that really should have had no place in society when Peter wrote these words, never mind in society today? Surely, perhaps you may ask, shouldn't we be moving on from that attitude which subjugates women to men and gives permission for men to domineer women and to abuse women? We know, don't we, of so many uh, reports of increased domestic abuse during lockdowns. And sadly, every one of those is a tragedy. And we in churches are not exempt from those, as you know from recent reports. So I do want to say right at the beginning, if as I preach this passage today, it touches on things which are difficult for you, or you want to talk to somebody, please do speak to me afterwards or one of the staff team. We would love to help you if we can. But the reality is that to link misogyny and domestic abuse, for which, by the way, there is never any biblical permission or warrant, to link those things to today's passage is to completely misread what Peter is teaching. Not anywhere in Scripture does it say that it is okay for husbands to subjugate and abuse their wives, although, as you will know, there are passages of Scripture where such events are recorded. We would expect that, wouldn't we? That um, Scripture records a lot of history, not all of which is as God would have intended it. And so whilst it does seem countercultural for us, and perhaps difficult for us. Actually, I want us to see that what Peter is teaching here is a beautiful, liberating thing, both for women and for men. And I want to say that if you are single, for whatever reason, this passage is for you too. Because as you will see as we go through it, the principles that Peter is teaching apply to every Christian believer. So how do we respond when we don't like what God says, when it seems hard, 
when it seems in our culture to be wrong? Well, the answer is, of course, we should look and see what the Bible actually says and then prayerfully and humbly ask the Lord to show us what he wants us to do in response. And so it would be really helpful for you, I think certainly for me, if you could keep your Bible open and keep looking into it. It's uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, page 1219 in the Church Bibles. And I want to uh, address, uh, really, just in two sections, comments to wives and single women, and then comments to husbands and single men. But before we get to those, I think we need a little bit of context and background to get our heads around what is Peter teaching us here. Well, if you just glance uh, to the left page, to the, to the left of the page in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we saw a couple of weeks ago that all Christians are living stones, a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Thank you, Jeanette. She's doing the actions over there. We can remember it, can't we, from the, what we read a few moments ago. A royal priesthood called from darkness into light. And therefore, chapter 2, verse 11, we are aliens and strangers. This isn't our permanent home because our permanent home is in eternity with Christ. So we're called to live such good lives Peter says, that unbelievers will glorify God. In other words, how we live as Christians, distinctive and different to the world, really does matter. Then in chapter 2, verses 13 to 20, which we've been looking at over the past couple of weeks, Peter gives examples to illustrate some of the practicalities around what he's been saying. And he uses a variety of different situations as to how, as those distinct and different people, Christians should relate to governments and those in authority. You can see that in verses 13 to 17. And employers in verses 18 to 20. Then we get to our passage in chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, where he's moved his illustration on to what the right relationships look like in marriage. But notice, before he gets to today's passage, he includes in chapter 2, verses 21 to 25, just before uh, the bit that Abby read to us a few moments ago, where he gives us the example of Christ. Now, Peter's placing of that passage, the example of Christ, between his other examples and today's is not an accident. It's very significant. And to see the significance of why that's so important, it helps us to have a look at uh, what Paul teaches on marriage in Ephesians chapter 5. Um, if you're quick on your fingers, you can turn to it as I read it. It's on page 1176. I apologize, I meant to put it up on the screen for you, and I didn't quite get round to it. Uh, page 1176, Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to read from verse 22. Wives, says Paul, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife 
as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. You see, the connection between today's passage and that one shows that marriage is an illustration of the relationship between Christ and his church. He is the husband, the church, his bride. And so to understand the significance of that for today's passage, we need to come back to 1 Peter chapter 2, page 1219 again. Verse 22, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Can you see the picture coming through in those passages? The perfect Jesus, the husband, gave up everything for his bride, the church. Now, that by way of background, to help us begin to get into a little bit more of today's passage because we can see the follow-on in Peter's argument and we see it connected in verse 1 and verse 7 by a really important little phrase in the same way so wives in the same way and husbands in the same way are to listen to Peter's teaching just as the example of Christ is important in obeying civil authorities and employers, following the example of Christ in your marriage looks like this, wives and husbands. And so, to Peter's instruction to wives, verses 1 to 6. Uh, now, the biblical pattern, both uh, for church and marriage, is one of male headship. Uh, we've had some teaching in the last couple of years on that from Dan, and I don't have time to address it more fully this morning, but it is uh, an important backdrop to these passages in 1 Peter and in Ephesians. Let me illustrate that if I can. Um, when Marigold and I got married a little bit over 39 years ago, we had a discussion together about what was going to be included in our service. And importantly, was Marigold going to promise that she would obey me? 
I very clearly remember her reaction and the reason that she gave. She said, if you love me as Christ loved the church, why wouldn't I want to obey you? I confess, I don't always manage to love her as Christ loved the church because Christ is perfect. Uh, Sometimes, I like to think I am, but we all know that that's not true, don't we? We are sinful beings. But that is the aim, to follow Christ's example. So in marriage, a wife submitting to her husband, even if he isn't a believer, mirrors the way the church submits to Christ, its head. And that submission is such a beautiful thing that it may win the unbelieving husband for Christ when we see in verses 2 to 4 of chapter 3. They don't see just your outer beauty, but your inner beauty, which is what really matters. Now, just in passing, I don't think, by the way, that this passage is saying uh, you can just be good and you'll be an effective evangelist. You never have to say anything. After all, Peter himself said a little bit later on in chapter 3, verse 15, a few verses down, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give, not a good deed, but an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. But do this with respect and gentleness. However, if you are a woman with an unbelieving husband, I know there are a good number as part of our church family, I do think that this says it may well be wise not to keep on and on and on in what may be perceived by him to be a nagging kind of way. Rather, says Peter, it may be your godly submission to him that will point him to think, this is something special. I wonder what it is. And then maybe, God willing, somebody else will have that opportunity to speak from outside the marriage where it's perhaps a little easier to speak of the love of Jesus for him. Now, there's nothing in these verses to say that uh, dressing well and doing your hair and making yourself look beautiful is in any way wrong. Oh, well, I suppose we ought to say making fashion an idol and putting it above everything and anything else clearly would be. Now, Christians, though, are not called to be dull and dowdy. What Peter is saying here and wants you to know through verse 4 is that true beauty is not external. It's about the inner beauty. And he goes on to say that a gentle and quiet spirit is beautiful to your husband, Yes, but first and foremost, it is beautiful to God who sees the heart. Now, what are we to make today of having wives having a gentle and quiet spirit? Well, I think it's pretty clear it doesn't mean that you should never have an opinion. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy robust debate between husband and wife about matters that are important to you and that you don't agree with. And it certainly doesn't mean that any wife has to accept abuse 
or mistreatment or unkindness from a husband. But rather it's pointing towards a voluntary demonstration of submission to your husband. It means allowing him to be the head in your household. And to try and illustrate this, perhaps inadequately, but we sometimes in our church meetings uh, in the PCC have things to discuss about the leadership within our church. It's what the PCC is for. And there are sometimes differing opinions about what we should do. And sometimes they can be and they should be aired robustly. But ultimately we have to decide something, don't we? So we consider all the points that have been made and if need be, by taking a vote, we make a decision about what we are to do. And then there is a collective responsibility. We can't have a situation where the PCC says, we're going to do this, and I run around everybody in the church saying, oh, the PCC agreed this, but I didn't, it wasn't my choice. No, we have collective responsibility. And in marriage too, while a husband and a wife may disagree, ultimately somebody has to decide, don't they? And as the head of the household, that responsibility falls ultimately to the husband. And the wife, says Peter, submits with a gentle and quiet spirit, allowing him to enact that decision and supporting it. Why? Verse 4. Because this is of great worth in God's sight, says Peter. This voluntary, willing submission represents love for the husband, yes, but primarily it represents love for and obedience to Christ who freely gave everything for his people. And practice... Um, Marigold and I have had lots of interesting discussions and debates and we've not always agreed about everything. But I can't think of a time in our 39 years married when there's been a case where I've just had to say, look, if we're going to make progress, I'm going to make a decision and that's it. We've always managed to come to agreement through that discussion. But we do it knowing the responsibilities that the Lord has given us within marriage. Now, there's not time to address verses 5 and 6 fully, but they're an illustration of how, uh, despite Abraham putting his wife Sarah in a very difficult and dangerous situation, uh, you remember the, the story? He, he lied. He said, oh, she's, just say you're, you're my sister. And off she went into the palace. But she submitted to him because she had her eyes, Peter tells us, on her hope in God. Well, the message is clear. The way wives submit to their husbands is a reflection of the way wives submit to Christ. And as the way all people should submit to Christ, as those who've been called out of darkness into the light as the chosen people of God. Well, what about those who aren't married, single women in our church family? Well, following the context, you are to live holy, distinctive lives in submission to Christ so that the adornment of a gentle and quiet spirit before God 
might win the world and please the Lord. Can you dress up nicely and wear makeup and search for a Christian husband? Of course you can. Do you have to do that? Of course not. Can you engage in discussion and debate with others? Yes, of course. Can you pray that the Lord will guide you to a wonderful man who will become your husband? Of course you can. But first and foremost, prayerfully submit yourself to your Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ. So what is then the responsibility of husbands and single men? Well, verse 7, husbands, as those saved by Christ and belonging to him, following the example of Christ, we see in verse 7, you are to be considerate, or as other uh, translations have it, live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, as Paul showed us in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And what comes next? And gave himself up for her. Live with your wives, as Peter puts it, implies every part of your life, both private and public. It means be considerate in what you say to her. It means be considerate in what you say about her. It means be considerate in how you have sex with her. It means be considerate in how you speak of her in front of the children and in front of other people. I think probably the word respect that Peter uses in this NIV translation is a little bit weaker than honour, which other translations have. We should honour our wives. And that brings us to a, a reason why, because Peter says they are the weaker partner. That's uh, another potential trigger today, isn't it? Now, it could simply mean physically weaker. I think there's a, a good implication for saying that. Women, normally speaking, are physically not as strong as men. But in Peter's day, I think he was being really quite subversive and countercultural himself. You see, women were not viewed as equal with men. It's as if, in effect, Peter is saying to husbands, look, society says that women are weaker, but as Christian men, you must honour them. Why? Because they too are heirs with Christ, of, of heirs of Christ, with the same inheritance that you have, chapter 1, verse 4, that will never perish, spoil, or fade. You are spiritual equals. So in the same way that Christ gave everything up for the church, you, husbands, should give everything up for your wives. Now Peter links this honouring with prayer. How can your relationship with the Lord ever be right when your relationship with your wife isn't right and you've left difficult feelings unaddressed? But conversely, we might ask, what will most help your relationship with your wife? Surely, having 
the right relationship with the Lord. Thus, husbands, your personal walk with the Lord, the time you spend in Bible study and prayer with him, is vital. But so also the time you spend as Christian husbands in praying for and with your wives, assuming that she is a Christian. And we men must take the lead here. And finally, what are we to say uh, for those men here who are unmarried? Because not all men are married. Well, following the context, you are to live holy and distinctive lives in submission to Christ. Is it permissible for you to stay single? Yes, of course it is. Is it okay for you to pray fervently for the Lord to lead you to a beautiful woman? who will become your wife? Yes, of course it is. But first and foremost, prayerfully submit yourself to Christ in everything. Treat every woman that you meet and talk to with respect and honour that is due to somebody who, as a Christian, is your spiritual equal in Christ. And even if she is not a Christian, speak with respect and honour that will point her to Christ. Men, women, husbands, wives, those who know Christ are joint heirs of the gracious gift of life. Well, in closing, let's, uh, let me state the obvious. Uh, these are difficult things sometimes to grapple with. And we have to recognize that the very fact that Peter wrote these words is an indicator that they're not actually natural for us. It isn't natural for women to be submissive in those relationships. It's not natural for men to be so considerate towards their wives. These are things that we have to choose to do and to work towards. We are fallen creatures ravaged by the effects of sin and we need to make sure that we are keeping our eyes fixed on Christ so that we can emulate his model of modelling his relationship with the church in our marriages. Remember chapter 2 verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let me pray. Our gracious Father, in your word today, you have presented us with some beautiful truths that often, because we are so conditioned by the culture in which we live, we find it difficult to accept and to uh, and we wrestle with them father please would you help every woman here to understand the beauty and the joy of submitting to christ and when appropriate submitting to her husband and would you enable every man here those of us who are husbands to love our wives as christ loved the church and would you enable all of us 
to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, in whom we share the same inheritance, men and women together. And I pray these things in his precious name. Amen.